All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Blasters and Blades podcast. So, hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies, a place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. So, without further ado, we're going to introduce you to our guest, Miss J. Boyce, the one, the only. Hi. So, so uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, so I'm Jay. I write um, a sci-fi fan. I write lit RPG. Um, so uh, the uh, Touch of Power series is my main series. Um, there's three books out right now. I have another series coming out, my, my first book, probably next month, which I'm super excited about. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I... I live in Washington. I am a wig enthusiast, you might notice, uh, and dice as well. I love dice. Um, I'm kind of just a gamer nerd. I um, I really, I'm also a ballroom dancer. I play frisbee. I don't know. <laughs> frisbee. That's cool. Yes. Oh, animation and rhythm with ballroom dancing. So. Uh, yeah. You know, there, there's some of that. It's about the only place where I'm not clumsy. Um, cause I'm actually like focused on where I'm putting my feet. I've realized, and somebody's there to hold on to. <laughs> so between those two things, ballroom dancing is like the one place where I actually am graceful. Whereas in the rest of my life, the walls hate me, the floor is out to get me and the, you know, tables and doors are just. Gravity <laughs> is evil. What can I say? Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, so, yeah. so for the frisbee thing, are we talking ultimate frisbee? Just yeah. tossing it back and forth, frisbee no. golf, which is apparently a thing. Um, I have done frisbee golf, uh, but ultimate frisbee is definitely where I have been playing since high school. Um, I have played in a couple leagues. I have won in a couple leagues with my teams, mm -hmm. um, but it's actually—I mean, COVID kind of put a stop to that. <laughs> Well, COVID's very Yo. good at stopping things, I've noticed. Yeah, it kind of put a stop to anything social, so I just kind of, like, stay in my apartment most of the time now. And so what you're saying is the enemy team used COVID to take out you because you were such a competitor. Yes, absolutely. And I moved states. That'll do it, too. So, so is it as rainy in Washington as I hear? You know, it is. I mean, I've, we've had a couple days of, like, gorgeous sunshine. So the last few days haven't been as rainy, but like for the most of, for the, I moved here and I was welcomed with fire. Oh, I moved here right at the wildfires in Washington. So like my parents were almost evacuated. Like there was, there was, it was, I was welcomed by smoke and I was like, I moved here for the rain. I am not appreciative of this. Yeah, I had a friend of mine that was uh, stationed there when he was in the army, and he described the weather as raining, fixing to rain, or just got done raining. Yeah, and that's really most of the time that is it. Like in the spring and summer, it gets some you get some sunny days, but eh, for the most part, yeah, that's depends on where you're at. Fair enough. Fair enough. Do you need to go to deal with Viking? Oh, Give me a second. All right. So while she handles that, uh, normally I would be asking her how she met you. So how about instead, because I met you through Seska, how did you meet Seska? So I was actually introduced to her through another lit RPG author who um, we were 
they were doing panels. It was panels for Last Dragon Con. Um, and she was looking to find an alternate to go on the Lit RPG panel. And my wonderful friend um, told me, um, Bryce, Bryce O'Connor, uh, suggested that I go on the panel with her. And so we kind of hooked up then. Um, and we've just kind of been talking and chatting ever since. And so. Wow. You were like the third one that didn't involve alcohol. I am impressed. Well, that might be because I have never had a drop of alcohol in my life. So. Wow. I don't know what to say to that. It's religious. Don't worry about it. It's okay. I mean, I don't judge, you know, leave more for me. So I know, it's, and, it's and I'm a perfect like DD friend. I can, although I've never actually done that because you know the only time I've really been in a bar is at Dragon Con, and like everybody's just walking back to the hotels then. Well, bars are kind of the state of being of Dragon Con, and not, yeah. not, not really, but yeah, they're they're everywhere because it's in a Dragon Con is in a hotel, so they're everywhere. So whether yeah. that you drink, you're going to probably end up walking through a bar. And, but, that, and that's kind of what it was. Yeah, it's no, like, I mean, Bryce to, and I were talking and I'm like, I would really love somebody with a different perspective. And he and I'm like, there are lit RPG, right or wrong, is very much a sausage fest. And uh, more so than Mill SF. And Bryce goes, well, I know just the perfect person. And she uh, she's female. And I went, well, if you're using a she, I would assume they're female. Um, I am a female. Yes. And so, but apparently you're like one of three female lit RPG authors. So there, there's probably about 15 and, and probably like five more that were like, maybe our girls. We don't know. They kind of hide behind their names and we're not really sure if they could be a girl. Well, you know, you never but, know. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's, it is, there are a few more, but there aren't a lot of, um, they haven't done as well. I mean, there are some that are, but it is a highly male genre. So yeah, That's okay, sort of. It's 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 getting better slowly. You are pioneering oh. and burning the way through. That's why you're greeted with fire. Well, thanks. <laughs> I like what you did there. That callback. I am most impressed. People so, are going to think you've been podcasting before. Maybe. Maybe. Um, so you, you can have Hold met her, right, JR? Yeah, yeah. She said how she met you. I'm asking if your recollection is the same. Was it at the Dragon Con, the alcohol event with the con problem? No, it was not that. And uh, there's another convention that is even more so that. But um, no, it was uh, it was in the it was in the process of getting to know more lit RPG authors because I wanted to know more about this genre. And so I decided we're going to do a panel and then I needed to find lit RPG authors to do said panel because, you know, that's how you do it. You put the subject matter experts up there and let them present. Okay. Um, so, and yes, Bryce did introduce us because he's an awesome author and in person. So really is. And now, she's going to ask you this next most important question, and I will tell you if you get it wrong, we kick you off the podcast. Don't worry. There's no wrong answer other than pineapple on pizza for JR. I this love why we like on pizza. Uh, Cisco, I was about to give you bonus points, and I got to take them right back. I like pineapple on pizza. So, religion. Burn it with fire. Burn it with fire. 
Fire is the only, best way to bring things because trust me, acid is not fun. Um, Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly? Absolutely, Firefly. Um, I do like the other two as well, but uh, Firefly was actually the first and one of the only like TV series I've actually owned for yeah. myself. And it was because I was working at a music store when I was 17. I was working at a video music store and somebody introduced it to me. It was already long over by then, but I fell in love. Well, yeah, it was unfortunately very short. Tragic yeah. life. Yes, it was a good show. So so did you side with the brown coats or the other side? Oh, obviously the brown coats. No Firefly fan ever says that they sided with the other side. No, no. So I, I just want you to know that there's a certain German dictator who will be sail, uh, sharing a cell in hell with Gail Berman. I'm just throwing that out there. So anyway, because we're polytheistic here. Yeah, I love that. Um, we here's the next question. Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings or the Potterverse? Um, that one is actually pretty easy for me, too. But it's the Potterverse. Um, so when Harry Potter first came out, the first book came out in my local library. Those books did not actually hit the shelves for like four or five months because wow. the librarians were passing it among themselves. <laughs> and my mom's a librarian. So I got the Harry Potter books when Harry Potter was 10 years old, when I was 10 years old. So I grew up with Harry Potter. My very first email I got on my 10th birthday um, and I definitely used it to go sign up to a Harry Potter fan fiction forum. And my first real like writing was writing Harry Potter fan fiction for like seven years. What was the uh, the topic? Were you doing like the the ship? Was it they call it shipping in the fandom? I, I'm, no, I'm so I was actually this. I was making my own characters in the Harry Potter universe, and I was playing them with other people. So it was it was role playing. It was just Harry yeah, Potter. Yeah, but a lot, of, a lot of good authors that I've met have started out that way with yeah. they used uh, old school MMOs and fan fiction to create a, I, I heard one person call it one time, and it may have been Casey Azell, it was like riding with training wheels on. Yeah, no, so and it, it gets you to learn about character creation, writing dialogue, and writing without having to stress about the creation of the framework of the world just yet. Oh, no. And that's absolutely true. Like, and the thing with like role-playing with other people was also like being able to see you making choices for your character and how other people decided to make their characters respond. Because sometimes you had somewhere like, you're like, Oh, I'm going to take this this way. And they, they're like, Nope. So you were doing more <laughs> role-play than actual, like writing your own story arcs. Yeah, but I mean, we were no, writing. Just, I, it was no, it's it's writing. I get it. I just it's different because you're in. It's interactive. Yeah, no, it was definitely for me. It was more the interactive. I made, you know, I wanted to be writing with other people, and that's cool. I that's know awesome. when when people think of fan fiction, and that that could just be you know through the through the writing. Mostly, it's people creating romances where there weren't them, um, right. the or where they want. Yeah, the shipping. So I didn't know there was more to the the um, fan fiction than that. So yeah, you learn something new every day. Yeah, that's because you don't get out much there. I love you, but you don't. Well, I mean, everybody wants to create their character, and that's kind of where that started. Is you want to know? Well, what would 
I have done in that situation? What would, and so I kind of, that's where I've been over the years is you want to know what your character would have done in that world. Awesome. So which one was your first love science fiction or fantasy? Definitely fantasy. uh, And it's still more my love than science fiction. Um, Mm I, I actually don't recall which like franchise was my very first um, but I think Tamara Pierce was probably a huge one for me. Or I, I just recall reading her books over and over as a kid. And so just the far off world, magical places and well, magic in general. Like I've just kind of always loved that. So that for book. Seska, her favorite fantasy was Pern. And it I is got- not a fantasy. My brother actually, my first foray <laughs> into like adult was the dragon singer of Pern into adult fantasy. Yeah. Otherwise it's not fantasy. He likes to do this. Every time I make a joke about pineapple on his pizza, he does this to me. Well, some of them are more fantasy than others. Well, it it is. She was, Anne was, and it's funny. She she started in romance, but her, she was a master of taking those, uh, those fantasy tropes and putting them into the science fiction setting. Right. So, but yes, it was hers, not. Hers are a nice blend. I like it. So, Jared just so, like. Oh, she froze for a second. And watch my head explode. Um. So now so, we're going to talk a bit no, more about. Hold, hold on. So, what was your first? Did you read like David Eddings, the Bulgariad series? Was was that like at all? I did okay. not. What about the Sword of Shannara? Because those were the two I remember reading. Um, I definitely did have Shannara. I've got some Shannara books on my shelf too, right there, because I met 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 Terry, and I was. That's awesome. Yeah, That's awesome. Um, I have I have a picture of him holding my book. It's great. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that. All right, which book is he holding? Uh, Siphon. It was my first one, and I right. was you on con. To, you need to give us that picture. It will become our uh, thumbnail when we post this. <laughs> That is just too cool. All right, Saska, I won't derail us anymore. Did you read the the, the bottom scroll bar I put just for you? <laughs> Pernus fantasy. I will change your mind. I will forcibly change your mind. It's definitely right. both. Uh, so, um, so how did we're going to talk more about your writing now? Um, since you write lit RPG, do you think of it more as fantasy? Or science fiction? So, again, I really do think um, that Lit RPG has become its own beast. Uh, Because, like, you take my books, for example, they are mostly fantasy, but with that video game element, you Mm -hmm. can't take the sci-fi away from it, necessarily. Um, And so that's kind of what the, the Lit RPG, it covers literally any genre you can write any single genre and have it be lit rpg as long as you include those stat boxes <laughs> so, so like i have friends who wrote a romance and it's lit rpg i have friends who write system apocalypse it's lit rpg there are tower climbers there are dungeon cords there are fantasy isekai novels they're all lit rpg as long as you include that video game element you can have you can have a farming book, which my brother has a farming book. So for those who are watching this on YouTube, 
that is some of what she is talking about. There are literally stats tables in here, guys. There are literally stat tables. We don't hide the math as much. Show, show it again. I've got you on the full screen real quick. <laughs> That's the only way they're going to be able to see it, Doc. Okay. All right, other side. There you go. Okay, you can see now what she's talking about. Woohoo! Yay, boxes. One second. Yep, we got it. Okay, there we go. Yeah, we're lighting. So, and and if you read it on Kindle, they're actually colored. Oh, that's cute. So, do you consider your lit RPG very crunchy? That's one of the terms I've heard from people that talk about it. Or do you consider it more sort of soft? Okay, so crunchy and light are the <laughs> terms. No, um, so to me, the opposite of crunchy is soft, but light works. Okay. We'll go with okay. that. Uh, when I hear crunchy, I think of like an angry Joel Sargent that won't really kill you. He'll just make you wish you were dead. Works for yeah. me too. Look, so the crunchy means you can just crunch into the numbers and you really, ah. that's where that kind of came from. Um, so Dakota Kraut style. Yeah. And so like my new one is set in an actual VR game and you get stat boxes for items and you have her profile and you like, that one is what I would consider crunchy. Siphon is actually pretty light because the only thing that where you see the stat boxes is, is her actual profile. So, yes, that's book. <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted. My book popped up on the screen. Well, you have beautiful covers and your covers really do remind me of even not even like a, a video game, but even just like they really, really do remind me of uh, fantasy covers like a trad pub fantasy cover. Yeah. And I say this with love because I think they're that's awesome. definitely my influence on it. Uh, my publisher had, when he approached me, he had an idea for what he thought the cover would look good as. And I said, okay, yeah, that sounds like that could be cool. And he sent me, you know, we sent it off to his artist and they sent it back and I hated it. And so we sent it back and they sent it three times. I got covers that were successively better, but still really terrible and didn't fit what mm -hmm. we, what I wanted at all. Like it was just so like dark and gloomy. And I'm like, that's not my book. I don't see you writing a dark and gloomy book. Like if I saw you write a dark and gloomy book, I'd probably call you and be like, are you okay? Yeah. And that's, that's um, like, all so, my fans that had been reading on Royal World were like, this is not like, you can't do this. This is not good. <laughs> So, so I, I love it. And since we're talking about covers, we normally talk about them a little later, but like, what is it? So this is very non-standard for lit RPG. Is that what you would say? Yes, it is. It mine and, is not standard. So what would you say a typical lit RPG cover would look more like? Most of the lit RPG covers have a guy fighting a monster. They've got your main character fighting a monster. And that's just... Yeah, they do tend to look like video game covers. They do. Um, so there's going to be a guy fighting a monster. Sometimes you're going to see the HUD there. And um, however, there are alternatives. Um, there's some that are like just icons, which is kind of the, the alternative. And so there's like Barrow King, which is a big skull, or Awaken Online, which is a cat with a castle a, like a tech castle thing um 
they're out there, but they're much less. Um, and like the 10 realms, which is symbols. Like, so a mm -hmm. black cover with like a symbol or something like that. So Elder Scrolls style. Yeah. Those are the secondary like lit RPG covers that I would say. But most of them are going to have your main character fighting a monster. Or if it's harem, it's going to have girls with boobs. So when you say uh, the main cover, like like you've described what the content of the cover is, but are we going with photorealism? Are we doing it pure, like actual digital art? Digital art, art appreciation class. It's, it's, it's kind of anime-esque, really. Um, so just pulling off of my bookshelf, we have Ascend Online. Okay, hold on, give me a second. I'll put you very, as a Very enjoyable book. I read that one. Okay. I actually read multiples in that series. So... All right, if you show that, I've got it uh, with okay. you as full screen. Okay. So, there's that one. Then you have, um, so this is Barrow King, like I said. It's got the skull. Okay. Um, then you have uh, Ryan's book, which, you know, Guy Fighting Monster. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Of course you would. <laughs> It's very 1990s fantasy look to the art. Like, not the style of the, the image, but the actual content. Yeah. Yes. Um, most of Dakota's. So, let me just pull things off of my shelf. Hopefully nothing falls down and breaks. If it is, we'll blame Seska. Yeah. So, we have guy fighting monsters. Oh, that's cool. We have guy doing magic <laughs> we have i said this was a sausage party right right we have goblin guy he's the main character he's a goblin we have a guy doing magic i'm, I'm liking those so like all of those um here's tal does some that are different too um his have guy with a dragon on it that's cool <laughs> so those are um oh and let's see and this one guy doing magic with a cool crossbow i <laughs> like a cool it crossbow. And so like that's it's a it's a pretty common you know main character on the cover doing magic or whatever Doing adventure things. Yeah. I'm going to drop things. Yay. <laughs> All right. So now we can go back to looking at her artwork. So um, what do you love about lit RPG, as a, lit RPG as a genre? So I have to say that one of my favorite things is just how much liberty you are to break things. <laughs> so... Um, I really like the progression aspect of it. One of the biggest things about lit RPG, like one of the biggest tropes is the OPMB. MC. What does that the mean? The overpowered MC. Ah. Okay. And so usually one of the tropes about lit RPG is that the main character for some reason or another has gotten a special ability that sets them apart. And that ability allows them to grow and handle things beyond what the normal player 
can do. Um, but as far as world building as well, it's that you have that built-in progression, but it's also got that framework of this is a game and games don't always have to follow the rules. You can have a guy who's punching through walls and it's not a problem because that's a game thing and people are just kind of used to it. So is lit RPG always uh, inserted into a game world? No, it just has to have video game elements. So like mine, it's a, she, she wakes up in a new world, doesn't know what's going on, but she's got a stat screen and some stat boxes. Like that's all she knows. So it doesn't have to. Um, and like a lot of the system apocalypse ones, it's more the game system comes to earth. Okay. It's something within the system or something within the book, the, there is a system and it doesn't matter what system it is, as long as it's the system is there. And it's really important to be consistent. You can break things, but you have to be consistently broken. Okay. So what was your first memory of watching or reading or playing games, engaging with at all sci-fi or fantasy, which came first or and what was it? Well, we're going to do that next. I'm going to separate uh -oh. that. Um, so I'm trying to think. My brain just went to my first thing is like the boxcar children were what my parents read to me as a kid. But I'm not sure that it's not really. It's fantasy, kind of like but... magic. It's not really. It's more mystery. Um, so I think Tamara Pierce would be the one that really sticks out in my head as she's the one I read over and over. My mom got me started on her pretty early. And Okay. And what about your first memory of something in the lit RPG genre? Since that's, well, how new is it? I don't have an the idea. The lit RPG is only about five to seven years old as a, as a genre. And there are some books that predate that like ready player one could be considered game lit. Um, it doesn't have actual stat boxes, but it's in a video game and like Tron. Um, I watched that. You know, those kind of things kind of predate it. And, but they're not like actually lit RPG because they don't have the stat boxes. So they would be considered game lit, which really is just another term. But basically it's anything that's in a video game, but doesn't have the stat boxes as far as I'm concerned. Um, okay. So, um, but what happened was about four or five years ago, I think it's about five years ago now, um, I was playing D&D with some friends and they sent me a clip of a video. It was an anime. And I was like, oh, this looks really cool. And they're like, yeah, it's coming out in a year. And I was like, oh, that sucks. Like, why? Why did you give me something that's not coming out for a year? Yes, I really wonder when people do that. I it's, I was like, that doesn't that's not cool. But I had looked it up and I found out there was a web novel of it. Um, what web, web novel. novel? So it was oh, a novel on the interwebs, from, people. Yeah, sorry. So web novel is just chapters are being posted online as they're written usually or in the case of a lot of the Chinese ones, as they're being translated. I have read some of those. Some of them have some very interesting titles. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, the the translated titles can be fun too. Uh, yeah, there was one where I was like, um, I think you need to have somebody who go back and edit your title because the context of this is really bad. It yeah. was like, mommy's beloved, mommy's darling is daddy's beloved, and I'm like, no, no, yeah, no. It's there are some of those titles that need. And you read the description but, and it was like, this is not what you're going for. This title does not match your intent. You were. Yeah. So I started reading it online and some, I was really annoyed by the editing because some of them are edited better than others. And I was like, I really want to read this. I want to read ahead and I'm an editor. So I started getting involved in the community and, you know, past all of their really Okay, I think they're simple editing tests, but apparently people have a hard time passing them sometimes because I'm just not all of us are good editors. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I passed them. And so <laughs> I got involved with three four different editing websites that are or translation websites that were translating novels from Chinese and Korean and Japanese into English. And for years I was doing that, but so that first novel that I was working, I, I ended up getting hired on to work on this novel that I wanted to read. And it was The King's Avatar, which is now a Netflix and an anime and things like that. Oh, yeah. Pisses me off because um, they didn't actually use the translations we had already provided them with. Like they didn't translate stuff. And I'm like, you people are going to have no clue what you're talking about if you don't translate things. Like we gave you the names, like just use them. Yeah. But she's not bitter at all, folks. No, not at all. No. No, I, oh, and there's no, a moment no, too. No, not the true passion of a fan. Well. Not at all. No, no. So, you know, um, and then I got, so I was doing that one. Um, another big Korean novel that was translated that I was working on was Overgeared. Um, and, and also uh, the legendary Moonlight Sculptor. Um, so those were three of the big ones that I helped I got involved with and started helping edit because I wanted, I, it was more of a passion project for me. I was getting paid for it, but I wanted to, that editing hurts my soul. <laughs> I wanted okay. to fix it. I wanted to fix them. Understood. Understood. So isn't there also a, a pretty famous Russian lit RPG that's supposed to, I yes. seem to remember hearing about? So, um, yeah. So lit RPG started, I think the Asian like continent in general started a lot sooner than the Americans got it. Um, but so about five years ago, the Russian lit RPG authors started having their stuff translated into English. Um, so like Vasily I can't say his, his last name, Mashalango, something like that, um, is a big one. He writes Way of the Shaman. Um, yeah, and that's, that's the one I heard about. Yeah, he. Uh, my brother was reading his stuff, and he was trying to get me involved in it. Um, and I had gotten my brother into reading some of the Chinese and stuff, literature and stuff, and he went looking for more written by people not foreigners, because he also has a similar problem with badly edited books. And so he was looking for something that, you know, might be written by people who speak English as a first language. Um, and we stumbled upon Royal Road and the legend of Rendedly Ghost Hound, 
which is a really cool system apocalypse web novel as well. Um, and so we were both reading that and uh, decided to write our own. Okay. And, and it sounds like there's enough meat here that we could probably do a panel to talk about what lit RPG is and all the different stuff. Cause I didn't want to stop you. It was good stuff, but we brought you here to talk about your books. Right. So we are going to transition uh, into your stuff. And so how did you go from, okay, I'm a super fan. Okay. I'm editing it because this stuff is garbage and I want to be able to read it. So I need it to be in English to crap. I'm going to write my own. Like how did that process happen? So, um, in January of 2018, I know the dates. No, 2018. My bad. 2018. My brother started writing his book, um, and I was editing for him. I started editing for him too. <laughs> and uh, you know, his writing has definitely gotten better since then. But I was helping him fix some of the stuff that, like, because he wrote fragmented sentences that made me go crazy. Um, so I was fixing that for him. And then that summer, I uh, I I also do um, transcribing for hard of hearing students in university classes. So I've attended like thousands and thousands of university classes um, with my students to transcribe everything that everyone says so that they can read along. <laughs> um, and I was in a medical class with one of my med students. And they were describing something and I was like, you know, that kind of sounds like my life. Like, maybe <laughs> we should go get checked out. And so I went to a doctor and I was like, hey, I think I have this. Can you do a whole bunch of blood work? And they're like, yeah, that's what you have. Well, congratulations, Dr. J. So I self-diagnosed myself. Huzzah. It was actually kind of funny, though, because the doctor I ended up going to actually had a very similar condition. So, like... I ended up at the right place at the right time somehow. Um, but that was kind of a wake up moment for me because I have an autoimmune disease and I, you know, it kind of changes my perspective. I had to make a whole bunch of changes in my life. Um, and one of them was kind of just a moment where I was like, why am I not doing what I want? Like I'd had this five book series plotted out since I was 10. And I never wrote it. I kept rewriting and rewriting one book that I was just never happy with. I think I have like 150 different starts to the book. And, you know, I would put it down and pick it up like a couple months later and try and rewrite and restart. And I was just never happy with it. Um, and then I was talking to my roommate one day and she was like, we were talking because I lose a dream every night too. And so... I was talking to my roommate. She's like, you should write down your dreams. I was like, no, that could fill novels. Like, no, like that would be way too much effort. <laughs> and then that night I had this really cool dream about the siphon ability. And I was like, as I woke up the next day, I was like, ah, actually like that would be really cool. Like how would that have started? And so I started writing and I got like five chapters done that first day or so and so I was like well my brother's posting on Royal Row like I can do that too 
So I started posting on Royal Road and within a month I had finished book one and had a publishing contract. Nice. So it was kind of something I fell into. I, you know, it was always a dream as a kid to write, but I had never gotten serious about it until I just, it took off and I was just, I'm still happy that it did, but it's still kind of weird to me that it did. So she is what you call a classic so, overachiever. Yes. And and you finally have somebody, you know, this is like the magic week for you, JR. You always ask, where did you come up with this idea? Food poisoning, psychedelics, a strange dream. Now we're just waiting for somebody to tell us psychedelics because Doc Spear said it was food poisoning. And so. Yeah. Yeah. You got that's one for the record book, but save us from ourselves and ask the next question, Doc. So um are there any formidable moments that really shaped you as a storyteller um other than your hatred of bad editing yeah, that that is a big one honestly <laughs> um i hate i oh gosh so you know it's kind of funny a lot of these it, it's reading these web novels most of what's on Amazon for Siphon, Adapt, and Sense, that first series, is really my first draft. Like, yes, I went over it with editors, but not that much content-wise changed. Like, it's really, like, as I wrote it, I'm a, I'm a discovery writer. I want to know what's coming next, too. <laughs> like, I have <laughs> ideas and events that are in my head, but sometimes those characters just kind of come alive and they don't do what I want them to. <laughs> and so I, I have heard of this phenomenon. Yeah. It's, it's people think writers are crazy and they're kind of right because we totally are. Well, they're just not wrong. Yeah. And I mean, the, the characters end up like having a life and a mind of their own in my brain. Like I argue with them. <laughs> So I, I take this to mean you are not going to join me in my war on the Oxford comma. No, you know. Dang uh, it. I've got to build my army somehow. Yeah, Jair, nobody's joining you on that one. The Oxford comma is important. See? You editors on and we can debate it. How about that? There you go. All right. So let's talk more about the siphon. <laughs> okay. So. What's that's not no. the horror in question. Now we get to talk about the crazy fan experiences. Have you had one away from a convention? Um, that so you want to talk about? <laughs> I mean, if they're restraining orders, we totally understand. So, uh, oh, let's be more precise. Have you had any cool fan art or cosplay? Um, I've had some. F I've had some fan art that I've, I've really enjoyed. Um, one of my favorite things that I've done is I actually so um kind of goes back to my cover my cover I found out I found my artist on DeviantArt um I was looking for an artist who had drawn glass um because you know Jade visits a glass maker in the shop and and one of my fans gave me an idea like, hey, this would actually be a great idea for your cover instead. And it would be a lot more indicative of the tone of your book. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, so while I was having that horrible incident with Dakota's artist sending me stuff that I just wouldn't 
it just wasn't gelling with my soul, really. I kind of went behind his back and, and found an artist. Um, <laughs> we won't tell him, we promise. He knows, he knows. But um, so I found this artist who had done a, a fantasy piece for her friend who was a glass artist. Um, and that's how I found Sandara. And I is like, oh, I like this is what I'm looking for. And so I contacted her and had her drop a cover. And then I took it to Dakota and was like, here's the cover. <laughs> How did Dakota react? He was very kind. And he said, okay, because he liked it. Thanks. Okay. Well, I think it's a great cover. Um, has anyone asked about your an autograph away from a book signing or a convention? Um, I mean, most of the people who do that are actually like people message me online and ask me to send them stuff. So I've done that. Um, I did have, it was technically still a convention, but it was a writer convention. Okay. Um, it doesn't count. So we'll count that as autograph. It's, it's probably not... the one you went to. It, it, it was 20 books to 50K. On one of your two forays out into actual people. Yeah. yeah I did not like people. So, yeah, I was, I was sitting, well, okay, no, I was standing in line at a hotel in Vegas <laughs> to get my hotel key, my hotel room key. And I was just kind of, you know, there minding my, my own business. And this couple behind me were like, are you Jay Boyce? And I was like, you know who I am? <laughs> this is, this is new. I haven't ever had this happen before. Like, Yes, I am. And they started like gushing about my books. It was it was really cute. Aww. And they followed me around for like an hour until my room was ready. Oh, that's sweet. What year were you there? Uh two years ago. No, okay, last year. Last year. It was last year. Or yeah, no, I guess last year didn't happen. Yeah, I went in twenty eighteen. It was twenty twenty nineteen. It it must have been twenty nineteen because it's just twenty twenty felt like two years. Yeah. It was 2019. Uh, I did actually technically I was at Ve I was in Vegas during the 2018 one, but I had just signed with Dakota and Danielle, and so we, mostly it was me and my brother went there to go like actually meet them because Vegas wasn't it was like a seven hour drive, so we just drove we drove down and um, to meet them because we had never actually met our publishers, so we wanted to do that, and uh, they were there for 20 books, and we. When? So have you found somebody reading your book in the wild, the wild, wild world? No, I think the closest that's come to that is that somebody found my book in a used bookstore because it's print on demand. So it's not like my mm -hmm. books are just in bookstores. Um, you actually have to kind of want it. <laughs> I, this is a very wantable book. I will say that. Well, thanks. But most people are just reading an ebook copy. Most of the most of the print copies there are the ones that I have sent out to fans who asked me to. Uh, <laughs> so, but I did say somebody found it in a, in a used bookstore in Texas and, and was like, I found your book. I was like, that's cool. It wasn't signed. So it was obviously someone had ordered it. And that's awesome though. Yeah. So, cause they, they cared enough about it to pass it on, even if it wasn't necessarily their cup of tea. Right. So, um, so did you have any weird or funny story you wanted to tell us about interactions with a fan? Uh, you I can say no. I, 
<laughs> I have one. Okay. So one of my favorite things, be, because lit RPG is such a big guy thing for the most part, um, I get a lot of dads messaging me. And this is literally my favorite thing ever. I get these dads messaging me about how they have shared my book with their kids. And it is pretty much the sweetest thing ever. Like, Aww. they're like, I just wanted, like, my kids have never been interested in whatever dad's reading I wanted to share with them. And, like, this is something that we've really bonded over. Um, That's awesome. It's really, is so cute. And I adore it. And um, actually, I'm so excited in a week. I've got plans to go. I, I had a I had a dad who did this, um, and he told me this really sweet story about his daughter um, and how she's been struggling because of COVID and stuff. And and he told me all the story. And he's like, and your books have really helped her. And yada da da da. So next Friday, I'm gonna go up and surprise her for her birthday because she lives like within an hour of me. So I'm gonna oh, get to go and I'm gonna get a meet her. So I'm super excited. That's awesome. <laughs> So this is the part of the interview, dear listener, where we talk about everything she has written, which currently what is published is her Siphon Universe, which we're about to dive even deeper into. But do you want to give us the quick elevator pitch on the series that's also about to be published, you said, next month? Yes. Um, so this is Lotus Lake is what it's called. Um, and I, I have seen some of the cover art you've shared. It's really neat. I will... <laughs> I'll show you guys. I'm not, it's not going to work very well because it's on my phone. But that's, that's cool. I'm so excited. That's the art. I absolutely adore it. I'm so excited. Um, so this one is an Isekai reincarnation one. And um, what is Isekai for those of us who aren't in the know? Isekai basically is somebody gets hit by a truck usually <laughs> and dies and then gets reincarnated either into a previous uh like they either go into themselves in the past or they usually or they wake up in another world so technically both of my novel both of my series are isekai because you know jade wakes up in a new world but uh this one ashlyn wakes up five years into the past which is when this new game Elysium has just launched or is just about to launch mm -hmm. uh, and this game is it's kind of one of the it's a virtual reality MMO mm -hmm. um, and Ashlyn has spent years kind of being a hermit but like she's she's got a fairly photographic memory and she's been reading up on other people having all of these adventures and she's put together some clues of like some of, of really what's the seventh element, the mystic element that mm. most people don't know exists in the game for years. And so she's got that step up and it's it's her like getting to go back and, and redo and really live her life rather than living in fear. Like she, she's dealing with some emotional trauma. Okay. <laughs> That you know, she wasn't necessarily living her life to the fullest before, mm -hmm. and so she wants to change that. And that's all right. And now we're going to get back to the the book we brought you here to talk about. There you yeah. go. And what would the thirty second elevator pitch be for that? So I guess I have a yeah, I have a thing for slice of life. 
that's mine. Uh, Siphon is Jade has spent her entire life in a hospital bed. Weak and basically unable to do anything but surf the internet. And then she wakes up in a new world with stat boxes, magic, and a special ability that if she touches people, she can siphon 1% of their skills and a stat and keep it permanently. It returns back to them, but she gets to keep it permanently. So she can just touch people and grow. So is she still infirm in whatever way kept her in the hospital bed on earth? She is healthy, but like she's like skeletonish to start off with. Because she's got to build muscle and stuff. Right. She has none of that. But she does seem to have been healed of whatever was ailing her. Okay. So that's really neat. And what is it that really makes your your series particularly special in the vastness of this? I think it's so it's slice of life. You're literally just following Jade as she is exploring a new world. And I think one of the things is that she is very just happy. A lot of lit RPG is kind of Dark. I hate to say it, but edgy emo. <laughs> like it's the edge lord who wants to go and kill things or get revenge or you know yada yada. Um, all about killing monsters. Jay just wants to live. She just wants to experience all of the things. She wants to get to eat. She already beat the monster. What? Sorry? She already beat the monster, the thing that was holding her in the bed. You know, for the first time in her life, she gets to go outside and experience a rainstorm. And, you know, to actually just get to be a normal girl. There's, you know, a slight caveat in that she's been called to the world for a reason. And the world doesn't necessarily want to let her be just a normal girl. But that's her goal. <laughs> is it is is she called to eradicate the scourge of pineapple on pizza? No, pineapple on pizza is not a scourge. Thank you. Jesus, I'm surrounded by heretics. <laughs> you know, you like it. This is you get to be surrounded by women. <sighs> I'm not touching <laughs> that one. We're gonna move on, and you can ask question number twenty-four. <laughs> what which lit RPG tropes do you think Siphon really hits the best? So there is the reincarnation and and the overpowered really is one of the big ones is she gets very overpowered very quickly because you know if you're touching a lot of people she's touching a lot of people yeah, that not bad at but, all. I mean granted energy doesn't come from nowhere so she becomes a bottomless pit of food <laughs> which you know <laughs> You can tie that back pretty directly to I had just been denied about like 90% of my diet when I was diagnosed. Oh my goodness. I was like, I want my food. Like, Yeah, no. I think anybody who's ever been on a diet understands the I don't care. I want my food. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I know this is hurting me, but I just want to go eat pasta. Yeah. Mm, pasta. Yeah. Practice the push away. Practice I want the, push the cheese. Away. Give me the freaking cheese. Like, I can't eat pizza. Pizza, pizza's been denied to me. I'm not supposed to eat sugar, lactose, or dairy. So, like, they have sugar, um, lactose, or gluten. That's what it is. They have gluten free, dairy free flavor. Oh, I know. I've pizza. tried them and they are like, it's like eating cardboard. Yes. <laughs> I, I, no. I, I tried it. it. It wasn't 
didn't taste good. Okay, so other than lit RPG, what um, what genre or subgenres do you think that this kind of fits into best? Um, I would say portal fantasy is how it's usually described. It's going to another world. It's someone from modern day going to another world and taking all of our ideas to kind of a, a medieval fantasy world, which is another fun thing because, like, she does. She thinks of all the things, like, what can I bring to this world and become a monk-glomerate merchant? <laughs> like, what can I make? Like, I'm going to bring the printing press. I'm going to bring bikes. Like, <laughs> So a little bit of Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court. Yeah. Like, I'm going to make elevators. All of these things that, you know, they don't necessarily have because magic took care of some of the things. Um, you know, and, and it's combining what she knows and what she knows how to make. Because, honestly, I don't know how the internet works. <laughs> like, I don't know how type, I don't know how um, printing, like, I can do, I, I know how a medieval printing press works because I've actually, like, studied it in random reasons. So I know how to make that one. But, like, I couldn't make a, a I can't think of the thing that prints papers. It's word as escapes me. A printer. It's just printer. The printer. That's okay. Uh, I I had the that brain fart today where I could not convert milliliters to microliters, so I can understand. Yeah. So like, but I wouldn't know how to make a computer or the internet. But there are things that zippers, for example, things that make life easier. That, that we take for granted. Yeah. And it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, huh, like indoor plumbing. Indoor plumbing. Is a I never one. take it for granted though. No, no, never take indoor plumbing for credit. It's that one they do have taken care of with magic because I wouldn't have been able to survive in a world without indoor plumbing. <laughs> <laughs> so um You've told us a little bit about the character and uh, what really kind of makes her unique. So what secondary characters do you think are memorable and that you might want to tell us about? Actually, um, so you, you've talked about the tropes of, of Siphon. Are there any, this is relatively new, but are there any subgenres that this as a lit RPG has that we this fits into? That. No, she talked about the, that was tropes, not subgenres. We did subgenres. She said portal fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, that's also a trope. Okay, I'll give it to you. You can move on. I mean, so there's there's like five big subgenres of lit RPG. It's like the system apocalypse, the dungeon core, the portal fantasy, the um I just lost it. With tower climbers and haremlet, I think would be the big ones. So portal fantasy. I thought haremlet was just a thing people liked. I mean, Harrowlink kind of is a sub sub genre. It's it fits into any of the other ones. Oh, and VR. Uh, that was that was the other one. My gosh, we're okay, Hamilton. Harrowlink. Yeah, Harrowlink. It's it's its own beast, but it kind of it's 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 kind of like lit RPG in that any of the others can be Harrowlink, but it's its own thing. <laughs> okay, we should get back on topic before JR just, just Oh right, you were asking up about on secondary me. characters if I liked. Um yes. so uh my favorite secondary 
characters are probably going to be Stefan and Eric, um, and they are introduced pretty early. Um, they are two. They're two of the teachers that she runs into fairly quickly, and they become her friends. Um, but Stefan is is a spy master for the king, and Eric is kind of his. He's the head librarian as well, uh, but also works with the spy master. So they're 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 two decision makers who are are fairly near in age, but they kind of adopt Jade um, as kind of a little sister. Oh, and I adore them. Um, I have written a short story from their perspective for an anthology for Bryce. Um, oh, cool. And yeah, they, they're probably two of my favorites. Um, one of the complaints about Siphon is that there are literally hundreds and hundreds of side characters. <laughs> um, and that's because when I, when I started writing it, I decided that I was going to have it be semi-realistic. And since yeah. I was in college every day and she ends up going to a college, I wanted it to be, you know, there are people who who reoccur and, you know, people you're, you're sharing space with, generally you're going to see them more. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want to limit it to a small cast because it just didn't feel real to me. So okay. there is a large cast of characters. There is a huge cast of characters. But I mean, I have glossaries for a reason. So... <laughs> Are any of them the bad guy? Or is, like, you mentioned that she was brought to the world for a reason, <laughs> but would it be giving us a spoiler if you told us? It is kind of a bit of a spoiler. Okay. We don't uh, want to do spoilers. But there, so uh, it was, one of one of the big things is there's monsters in the world. Uh, okay. And monster attacks are a fairly common thing. Um, but one of the big monsters of the world are the Mesmer. And um, the Mesmer tend to kidnap people who have high magical concentrations of blood. Which, given all that Jade is doing, she has. So mm. she becomes a target for that. Um, okay. So I will say that's probably the bad guy that's known in the first two books. Okay. Okay. So you mentioned that she has um, a mentor. I've seen that sort of mentor trope is somewhat common in some of the, the fantasy. Uh, is that a thing in lit RPG or is that just something you brought in from your own reading experience? That teacher mentor sort of character? You know, there, um, there are some lit RPGs. The Academy trope is not, I mean, there's a bunch of books that do that. Um, so there's a bunch of, it's not like a huge thing in lit RPG, but it's definitely present. Um, so the academy in general is definitely there. Um, I think that's just because I I've enjoyed school settings, and because like a lot of my life pre COVID has been spent in school. Like I worked, I was in a school. I was taking classes constantly, so that's really part of just my experience because I have spent, you know, 30 years in, well, maybe not that long, <laughs> not that long. <laughs> I've spent a good chunk of my life in school, even when I, you know, 
feels like I'm still a university student sometimes because I was doing university classes all the time, even though I'm definitely not a university I'm not anymore. Okay. All right. So we'll move on to the next question. Um, so speaking of characters, since you talked a little bit about the bad guys already, uh, if your characters, after all the evil, horrible things you did to them in the novel, were ever to meet you in a back alley, how do you think that ends for you? I think I'd be okay. Jade is nice. <laughs> okay. I would actually really love to meet Jade because I, I would feel like there was a question mark in that sentence. I, I, I would want to meet Jade because Jade is a very nice girl who, and, and honestly, she's an alternate me. If I was in different circumstances, I will say Jade, I have a hard time where I stick a lot of myself into my main characters. And so Jade is a lot of me if I was 17 and had been stuck in a hospital my whole life with a different family. Um, so, you know, there's definitely differences and, and, but, and she's a lot prettier than I am. <laughs> so, so you mentioned she's 17. So would this qualify also you think as YA as young adult? I, yeah. Well, so like I said, a bunch of dads read it with their like 10 to 17 year olds and they all seem to like it as well. Um, and it is clean, so because that's just my writing style. So there's not a lot of cussing in it. And I mean, not a lot, meaning there's pretty much none. <laughs> so like, I, I've i donated it to my old high school library. Um, I, you know, it's my book is when people recommend like, hey, what lit RPG books can I get my kids on? Mine is pretty much always recommended because it's appropriate for them so okay that's always good to it's know not written as YA but it it's fine for young YA appropriate yeah fair enough so what can you tell us about the universe so you've told us about Jade you've told us about her her mentors and teachers and what can you tell us about the world itself other than that there is magic uh, what what else can you tell us? Since sometimes the worlds are as much a character as the protagonists. So um, the world is there. A, a mother and father god have created these people and given them the ability to use magic. Um, kind of, I, I actually tell a creation story in the second to last chapter of the first book. Um, I, I do do that. Um, but it's the hmm. I can show you maps. <laughs> um, so there, basically, the world has kind of stagnated into these pockets of civilization because the monsters have been monster. growing faster than the humans can deal with them, um, and that's why the gods call travelers like Jade. Um, and that's also part of why, like, some people have a problem with how, like, how nice people are to Jade. Um, and a big part of it is the culture that I've set up in that the travelers are revered as these are warriors who have been brought here to help us. Um, it's, it's reached a turning point in the tide of darkness, and we need something more to push our civilization forward. So that's one of the hard things is that their civilization 
is used to these infusions from other worlds. And a bunch of their technology comes when someone else from another world is brought in. Okay. I don't know why that's that unusual. I met, I mean, there are cultures in a, in a, in the U.S. of not the U.S. on our planet now that are very welcoming to to visitors. I mean, we, we noticed that when we were overseas in Iraq, the they might want to kill you, but if you're a guest in their home, they will feed you and wait till you leave to stab you, because they just you're a vet, you're a guest and that's that's a sacred thing. So right. I don't I don't understand why that would be something that trips people up. Yeah, I, I've never really understood it that they. Uh, I don't know. I would say that uh, some of it's just a cultural difference of looking at it. I think we, it just has to do with the emphasis of, in different cultures, put emphasis on different things. Well, and, and that's the thing, like, she's in a nice part of town, too. Like, <laughs> that does help. That does help a lot. It does. And I don't think a lot of them, they don't seem to realize that. Like, she hasn't seen the ghetto areas. So, like, there might have been an area where, you know, people weren't as nice to her, but she hasn't gotten there. So what do you expect? Is she ever going to go there? Yes. Um, she in, in book four, she's getting to see other places. I always am pleasantly surprised and amused by where people's... Um, point of deviation from a fantastical world is so like dragons in space you were right there with me he didn't cuss enough and i broke your immersion like it's some where people's lines are is always an amusing thing it's always very personal and it's never wrong but it's always amusing to me where people draw their line so yeah speaking of uh, we're going to use that blunt force segue. So Siphon is clearly part of a series. I know because it says so on Amazon and I can read the words. There are currently three books out in the series. You mentioned there's a fourth one coming. So clearly their story isn't done, but what, what do you expect to happen to these characters is for the last novel? Will there be more? So in my brain, there is going to be five but it might be six depending on if my characters don't behave. Yes, exactly. Like <laughs> um, I have an end in mind. I know what the end of the series is. I just have to get there. So uh, whether that takes me five or maybe six books, I'm hoping it's five, but you know, it could be six. Um, I know a lot of my fans are not super excited about the fact that I have that endpoint of mind because it could very well be a. You could pull an honor here, uh, David Weber, and have yes. like another ten. It's this so true. I could definitely do that, but not with the ending point I have in mind. <laughs> well, does she go back to Earth? No, she does not go back to Earth. I'm so I'm I'm not gonna lie. There, the epilogue also it pissed a lot of people off. Because I wrote it as an April Fool's joke. I'm not gonna lie. I wrote it as an April Fool's joke for my patrons. Because it has her waking up on Earth again. And it was all a dream. It was a dream. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of people are like, does that mean like this is all a dream? Like, and so there's all of these theories about it. And I'm just like, no, guys, I've literally told you like she isn't going back to Earth. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but so I saw much... people who were like, but she could. I'm like, no. So so did you get hate mail for that? Oh, I definitely did. 
Oh, we definitely did. All right, Doc, the next question. Okay. Um, So we've talked some about how you do have creatures and monsters. Uh So is it humans and monsters, or do you have other fantastic creatures that might be, like, neutral or allies? And then how do you go about creating all these? So... um, That was a long question. I'm sorry. No, no, it's cool. So there's the monsters. Um, and a lot of the monsters are just, they, it it really is a fairly two-sided thing. Okay. However, there are basically animals that have been domesticated Mm -hmm. that were monsters originally, but they've been domesticated. Like Jade in book two gets a couple pets that she tames, that she bonds with and, um, falls in love with but they are considered monsters by a lot of people so a lot of people have like that initial reaction is oh my gosh she's got monsters in her hair (laughs) because they're butterflies oh i was thinking like oh jade adopted a hell spawn no they're butterflies but they're terrifying butterflies like you see some of their abilities and it like you do not want like if they are not on your side you you would not be happy (laughs) So, so what made you decide to make a butterfly a monster? That I have never seen before. I was trying to figure out. Um, I don't actually know. I I just <laughs> all of the animals in the world were monsters to me, so I gave them monstrous abilities, and um, their pollen is freaking terrifying. Oh my gosh! Okay. Oh. Pollen is terrifying. I live in the South. Pollen is just terrifying. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But yeah, so there's definitely a two-sided dichotomy and, oh, how I came up with them. Mm -hmm. The second half of the question. So a lot of them, I didn't just choose one animal. I I did a lot of combination animals. Okay. So I would combine them, give them new magical abilities, and then make their names out of Irish combinations. Cool. Nice. So, um, is there anything we didn't ask you about that you want to tell us about Siphon? I did not think of that question. (laughs) Fair enough. So so we were thorough. We're going to take that as a win. So uh, you mentioned that these are out in print because we've, we've spotted them in libraries and used bookstores. Are these also available in audiobook? Yes. Um, all three of them are on Audible. Uh, I have my narrator, Samara Nanny, is really good. I've never actually spoken to her, but she, I enjoy her work. <laughs> okay, that's that's a good endorsement. So the uh, we've we've covered the audiobooks, but and clearly this interview is winding down because we've been rambling for about an hour and ten minutes. Uh, but before we wrap this up, are there any updates about other forms of media in your universe coming out? So RPGs, movies, video games. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. Um, no, I um, am working on, like I said, the, the Lotus Lake should be coming out soon. Uh, people can read ahead on my Patreon because uh, they get my first chapters there. Um, oh, back, I forgot the fan art. When we were talking about fan art and I never actually finished the story. <laughs> okay. Um, so I found Sandara because she had done art 
of Rubia's glasses work. And so I have actually commissioned Rubia's glass to make the glass figures from my cover. And I have them somewhere. They're actually still packed in a box when I moved. I haven't found them yet. Um, because I wanted them to be super safe. So I like Uber packed them because <laughs> they're glass figurines, but they are the prettiest things. Like I adore them. And she's been sending, I, I've commissioned her to do more of my stuff. And so like. <laughs> so you commissioned your own fan art. I've commissioned my own fan art because it makes me so happy. And like, she did a bunny corn for me yesterday. Oh, just like, it's the cutest thing. So like. I I'm super excited for the stuff that she's been doing. Like she was showing me like the blood orbs that are from book three cover and like I, I will not judge you. I commissioned a helmet to match what my soldier uh my legionnaires wore. So like I get it. I just think it's adorable. I've even done my own cosplay one one Halloween. I, I cosplayed as Jade. I had fun. <laughs> nice. uh, that that counts too. Uh, someone's gotta do it. It's a little harder to do space marine type armor. Uh, yeah. That takes a little bit more dedication. I just had uh, to get like a cloak and a wig and butterflies. Yeah, and then they don't—they don't tend to make uh, military armor in maternity for me. So you know, what are you gonna do? But you know, speaking, the ACUs look like they're made by Omar the tent maker, and you look about three months extra pregnant. There you go. So I'll have three times the babies, I guess. But uh, I just want you to know, dear listener, they were about to ask her where you could find her. And all of these links will be in the show notes. So if you want to support her on Patreon, find her on all the places, they'll be in the show notes. So check them out. I spent some time writing them, dang it. But speaking <laughs> of, how can listeners find you? Um, so the best places to find me, if you want to read ahead, is on Patreon. Uh, it's Patreon slash Siphon. Um, cause I didn't, you know, think ahead and put my name on that instead of the first book, <laughs> um, which is kind of goes to my Facebook as well. It's Facebook slash Siphoner to find my page. Um, you can follow my, my personal Facebook page as well. Um, jboyce.com pretty much has the links to everything, um, which includes my discord, uh, which is called Ruland for various reasons. Um, but that's my brother and my Discord because my brother's also an author. Um, and that's where people can interact with me more. I, I guess that's one of my big interaction points is that and Facebook. So that those are my three big ones is Patreon, Discord, and Facebook. Okay. And you can find us on our website. It's anchor.fm backslash blasters, tack and tack blades. You can find us on Twitter at SF underscore fantasy underscore show, Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email us at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. Sometimes we even remember to check that one. Uh, and you can find us on our Facebook group. It's facebook.com backslash blasters and blades podcast. If you want to support the show and help us keep the lights on, it's buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley. And be sure to put in the comments for the podcast so it gets delegated appropriately. And this is where you, Siska, get to try out reading the exit spiel. No pressure, Woo! but don't mess up. It's my first time. You got this. Uh, so thank you for spending some of your precious time for uh, with us today. For the absent Nick Garber, J.R. Handley, I'm Doc Suska, and this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week, same where, and uh, where we all indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, all things boom, and pineapple on pizza, damn it.
Heresy, heresy. I give that nine out of ten. All right. You guys have a wonderful evening.